This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Leo Blazy talks about surrendering to the Holy Spirit through the flame of love. What is the flame of love? How can we learn more about this movement? Father Leo will answer these questions and more. He is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Kelly Roper. Father Leo Blazy, and we are so grateful that he is here by way of introduction. Well, you know, before we get started, Father, we know all good things begin with prayer. So would you lead us in a prayer? All right, we'll begin with one of the prayers from the Flame of Love. Um, it's called the Unity Prayer. So let's begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My adorable Jesus. May our feet journey together. May our hands gather in unity. May our hearts beat in unison. May our souls be in harmony. May our thoughts be as one. May our ears listen to the silence together. May our glances profoundly penetrate each other. And may our lips pray together to gain mercy from the Eternal Father. Amen. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save us and the whole world. Mm. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save, save us and the whole world. world. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save, save us and the whole world. world. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Beautiful. That really, you used that at lunch too. What a beautiful prayer. Thank you. I use it at the beginning of anything that, that we do. It's a, and I'll explain why we I use that prayer so often in here in a little bit. Father Leo Blazy is an earthly father and grandfather. After his wife died, he entered the priesthood and was ordained June 3, 2017 at Sacred Heart Cathedral in Salina. Father Leo is, a re is retired from the U.S. Army, where he was a mechanic, then a helicopter pilot, and eventually a maintenance test pilot. Currently, Father Leo is the pastor of Sacred Heart Church in Plainville and St. Thomas Church in Stockton. Recently, Bishop Gerald Vinke has named Father Leo chaplain of the F Flame of Love movement in the Diocese of Salina. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. What? Wow. I just, I, I am always amazed at all that you've done in your life. And someday they were talking about it at lunch. Someday we're going to have you come and give your story and uh, try and fit all of the wonderful things into an hour. Okay. That's what we're going to do. So, um, but today we're here to talk about what is the Flame of Love movement. Okay. Um, you, you mispronounced my last name as, as is common. And then you were reading the, the introductions from the, the communities where the radio is at, and there's three communities right there along I-35 that are that people struggle to pronounce. They're, okay, which you know, ones they, did they I say, do wrong? <laughs> well, well, you got it right today. Oh, okay, all right. Um, but there's Salina that everybody pronounces Salina. Oh, okay. And then there's Lindsborg, yeah, which people say Lindsberg. Yeah. And then just south of there, there's McPherson, and a lot of people pronounce it McPherson. Yeah. People from McPherson will from McPherson will say there is no fear in McPherson. Wow. So nice, so nice. Three communities right there, and everybody always mispronounces the name, and it's it's yeah. it's always kind of entertaining to yeah. to hear people talk about it when that when those happen. Yeah. I'm getting a little better, but I still got a lot of work you know, to do. A lot of work to do. Lindsborg is is not an easy one to, to catch on to if you've been saying it wrong for a while. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So so Father, tell us about the flame of love. All right. Um, oh, wow. the, the theme for this drive is surrender. surrender. Mm -hmm. And Donetta knows that, that I love words. I, I love to study words and, and figure out how they came to be and, and how we're supposed to use them rather than the way that sometimes we use them in our culture today. Um, the word surrender has 
no less than 50 synonyms in, in the English language. But if I were to say the word surrender to you, it might be unfair to say that today because you've had all week to think about it. <laughs> what, what would you give as the definition of surrender? Total giving? Okay. I don't know. Um, um, as someone who was in the military for 29 years, when I hear the word surrender, I think of giving up or, mm-hmm. or losing to, to an enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's pretty common in our English language today for people to, to look at, sur- at surrender in that way. But yeah. um, surrender is in the Catechism of the Catholic Church 69 times. Wow. Wow. Um, and so I, I looked at the definitions of the word surrender and, and trying to understand for myself, because of my military slant, what the church means when it talks about surrender. So yeah. um, in the military, like I said, surrender means to give in to an, an enemy. And we're, we were told in the military for the whole 30 years that I was involved with the military that you never surrender. Mm-hmm. As, a, as American soldiers, we don't surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I hear that word, it, it just kind of makes me bristle a little bit. And, and that's really a good thing yeah. because then it makes me think about, well, what are we actually saying? Yeah. So another way to think about surrender is if you're drowning in the, in the ocean, mm-hmm. you, have, you can't swim anymore and, and you're... You think that you're going to go under and you're getting ready to draw your last breath and and you're flailing around. Everybody can recognize flailing in the water and fearing that they're, they're going to go under. And then all of a sudden a lifeguard shows up, somebody that's able to, that has the equipment and has the ability to, to get you out of the water. What are you going to do? The reality is that most people continue to fight. Yeah, yeah. They struggle even though there's a person there that has the ability to, to help them and, and to get them out of, of the trouble that they're in. Um, yeah. To the point where often, oftentimes Brings the other they, they bring down. the other person yeah, down. So, yeah. you know, you rescue swimmers and, and those that go out. So what you have to think about when you're in that situation is I have to surrender. I have to give myself over mm-hmm. to the person that, that has the ability to save yeah. me. Yeah. And it's the same way in our spiritual life. It's a really good we, analogy. We, we, yeah. we struggle in our sin. We're drowning in this ocean of sin that, that is in a world around us. Yeah. And we're flailing and fighting. And our Lord is there, and he's offered to, to get us out of the problem. Yeah. And yet we continue to struggle and fight, and mm-hmm. we, we don't want to give in. And that's all that's necessary in order for the Lord to, to bring us out of that situation is yeah. to just surrender, yeah. to allow him to do the work that is required to save us. Yeah. And so from the, the, your question, since it's already been answered, um, who did Mary present the flame of love to? Her name is Elizabeth Kindleman. And Elizabeth wrote a diary, and, and in one of the sections of the diary, I'm going to read to you today. I will accomplish a masterpiece if you agree to submit to my divine hand. Simply surrender to me like wine grapes that are pressed and transformed into wine, which will become my precious blood. And so I will be intoxicated with, and so you will be intoxicated with my precious blood. But only if you are transformed and purified, just like the must, 
or like wheat transformed by my sacred body, once it has been ground. You also will transform yourself only once you have been ground down and in your uncomfortable nature divinized. You understand that, do you not? We have already meditated at length on that together. Whoever eats my body and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. And in whom he in whom God dwells will be divinized. Permeate yourself with this grace that is so great. Mm -hmm. And I think Permeate. I might have misspoke at the beginning of that. I said that that was Mary. Jesus was the one that gave that to Elizabeth. Wow. Yeah. Um, so who was Elizabeth Kindleman? Elizabeth Kindleman was a, a Hungarian woman. She was born in 1913, the 13th of 13 children. Mm. All 12 of her siblings were twins, so six pairs of twins. All 12 of her mm. siblings died before they reached adulthood. Wow. And when Elizabeth was eight years old, her mother passed away, and when she was in her early teens, her father passed away. Wow. So she lost her entire family in a in a, at a very early point in her life. As I said, she was born in 1913, so she lived as a young child through World War I in Hungary, not a good place to be during World War I. And then she was married as a young teenager at 16 years old, and had six children with her husband who was 30 years her senior. And after, when the oldest child was, was only four years old, her husband passed away, so, so now she's a young mother in Europe between World War One and World War Two, where the you know, we think the the depression in the United States was devastating and in Europe it was even worse. Yeah. And it lasted much longer. Yeah. So a, a young woman with, with six children trying to, to feed her children and keep them clothed and, and under a roof and she struggled greatly during that period of time between the wars and and then World War Two came. Again, just devastation, and, and she was not ever able, during, during her whole adult life, she was not ever able to remain, to keep a job for an extended period of time, and most of the time she, it was not unusual in, in Hungary for women to be working in the factories and stuff, because so many of the men had been lost to the wars, yeah. but um, she was often working two jobs and sometimes three jobs to try to, to provide for the family. So she, she experienced a very difficult life from her, from her earliest age up until the time that her children were grown and, and all were married and, and were out of the house. But always during her whole life, she was very dedicated to her Catholic faith. As a young girl, she remembered her grandmother praying out in the garden. She had a rosary around her wrist and she would pray the rosary as she worked in the garden. And that had a profound impact on her life for the rest of her life. But. Before she got married, she had made the decision that she wanted to be a religious sister. And so she spoke to a couple of the convents there in, in Budapest. At the time when she wanted to enter into the convents because of the wars and because of the depressions that were going on, um, you were required to, to pay what would, have, what would be similar to a dowry for a wedding, for a marriage. The family had to be able to pay for their sustenance because there was just not any money in Europe for the for the religious orders to, to bring somebody in. So she approached a couple of convents and they told her that because she was an orphan and because there was no money that, that they couldn't bring her in. 
And then she finally got to speak to a mother superior of, of a convent, and the, the mother superior said, let us take your request to prayer. And she took her into the chapel, and they spent a period of time praying over what Elizabeth was to do with her life. And, and when they came out of the chapel, the mother superior looked at her lovingly and said, God has another plan for you. Mm. Of course, Elizabeth was devastated. She saw this as her last chance to become a religious sister. And she left the convent not knowing really what the mother superior was trying to tell her. And so she went out and she went on with her life. And as I said, she got married and had children and never really looked back to the religious life. She, she remained in the church, although it was a struggle at times when you're working two and, and sometimes three jobs and raising six children. You can imagine how hard it was mm -hmm. to, to really spend much time in prayer and, and sometimes even struggled to get to mass because yeah. the work schedule sometimes didn't allow her to go. And, and she says in her diary that at times she just did not feel God's love for her, and, and so she did not return it back to him. Yeah. And remind me what year this is. When When is this occurring? She was born in um, 1913. So okay. um, as she was raising her young children and, and working the way that she was working, that would have been between the wars, so in the, in the okay. late 1930s and, and then right up until the war when when she was going through these struggles. And, okay. But she always put on the brave front for the children and she taught her children to, to remain in the faith and to love the faith. Eventually, after the war, a number of her children were married and they, they married into families that were able to provide for them and, and so the, the strain on her eased. And she got to a point where she was looking at, at entering into college and, and studying um, psychology and, and um, theology and she actually enrolled in school but before she was able to start attending classes life again happened and she was not able to to go to school um, she really basically educated herself in elementary school she, there were no schools available and she she got the elementary textbooks and she memorized them hmm. um, but she'd got no credit for that so so as an adult woman with her children raised she had no um, constituted education that she could verify to, to go out and do work. And, and she was at church one day, and the peace of the Lord just came over her and said, I have a calling for you, but you must answer me. Hmm. And at that moment in that chapel, she surrendered herself to our Lord. Wow. Within a few weeks, she moved into a, a small hermitage, Basically, today, if you were to look at somebody's backyard and see the shed in the backyard, that's basically what she lived in, a, a 12 by 12 room um, that had everything that she needed to live in it, including a, a small cook stove and, and um, her restroom was outside. But So she lived in this 12 by 12 room in Budapest, Hungary for years. As she prayed, she attended mass multiple times a day, usually in the morning and in the evening, and usually spent several hours in adoration, mm -hmm. praying to our Lord and, and listening, mm -hmm. which is one of the things that we really struggle with today. Yeah. Even when we're praying, as we're going about our busy lives, we, we seldom take the time to listen. 
and it's because Elizabeth was open to listening that she was able to receive the messages that Our Lady and Our Lord gave to her over a period of time starting in 1961 and it went through 1981. Wow. And the thing that really attracts me to this movement, and so we can d define that a little bit, uh, you know, we, we have devotions. Many people have devotions to the rosary and, and to different prayers and, and things that go on. And then in the church, we also have movements. A movement is more involved than, than a devotion, and it actually requires going out and into the world. That's what a movement is all about. So Elizabeth had a devotion to the rosary, and Mary called her to a movement, and the movement was the flame of love. She struggled to, to get people to listen to the message that the Blessed Mother was giving to her. Yeah. But the thing that attracted me to Elizabeth was that she never went out and tried to publicly proclaim these visions to the world. In her humility, she went to her spiritual advisor and to her confessor, and and at times when the Blessed Mother directed her, she, she went to the bishop and spoke to the bishop about what the Blessed Mother was telling her. But she never proclaimed in public that she was receiving these these messages from our Lord and from his mother. And if her confessor and her spiritual advisor told her not to speak of the things that she had told to them, she humbly submitted and did not speak of them. She did keep a diary, and we have the diary, and the diary is a very profound read that it reveals the conversations that happened between Elizabeth and Mary and Jesus as if, Mar as if Elizabeth was having a conversation with friends. So much so that our Lord, in many of the conversations, seems to be complaining about the world. Hmm. Now, who do you com complain to when you have issues with other people and what's going on around? Your friend. Your friend. Yeah. You don't go out and complain to the people you don't like. You, go, yeah. you take it to a friend. And so yeah. the conversations in the diary are, are very much like three friends communicating to each other hmm. in a profound way. And this, the, the first messages to Elizabeth came in, in 1961. Occasionally, there were visions that she had. Um, the image of the, the Blessed Mother, the, the flame of love, came to her in a vision. And there were a couple of times when she actually saw our Lord. The, our Lord never spoke to her while she was seeing his image, though. That was kind of an interesting thing in the diary as well. So. Um, when she saw his image, he was always mute and revealing something through the image itself. Mm. Um, and she saw the Blessed Mother a couple of other times in, in images, but most of the time she just received locutions, words from Jesus and the Blessed Mother through her prayer and her ability to listen to what they had to reveal to her. Mm. One of the wonderful times when she experienced Christ's presence again. It was not an appearance, but she just sensed that he was there beside her as she was out in her garden one evening. She was very ill and she had, her energy had all been depleted. And she said she recognized, she heard little footsteps coming up from behind her that she thought was maybe an animal or rabbit or, or a squirrel that was looking for food. And then all of a sudden, she felt the presence of our Lord right next to her, and mm -hmm. she she expresses the joy in, in the knowledge that Christ was present with her, and, and that He was able to re-energize her through that 
that close proximity. And she said it was unlike anything that she had ever felt before or that she'd ever heard described before. And she struggled to put into words the, the beauty of the gift that Christ had given her to be present with her that, in that proximity. And if we look at the, the 20th century, there were a lot of events where, where Mary appeared to, to different people and spoke to different people in our Lord. Um, we, had, we had Fatima and we had St. Faustina, who our Lord mm. came to and, and, and gave visions and things for a number of... Uh, so people ask, well, why? Why in the 20th century do we all of a sudden have all of these appearances of Mary and Jesus all over the world? Well, my explanation is simply that the world was going through an evil period. We, we look at the wars that occurred in the 20th century and the, the evil things that happened in, in Russia and in China, the, the millions of people that died for the sake of political power and, and other types of power in the world. And Mary and Jesus thought it was important for them to show people that they were still there. And so after Elizabeth had had a, a number of conversations with the Blessed Mother, and, and the Blessed Mother had revealed to her that she wanted the flame of love to spread throughout the world, Elizabeth says, well, why don't you do the great miracles that you have done in other places? And she was speaking specifically of, of Fatima at the time. The, the miracle of the The miracle sun. of the sun. And, mm -hmm. and, and the Blessed Mother said to Elizabeth, people are not converted by great miracles. Mm. They are converted by thoughts and, and movements of the heart. And so the Flame of Love movement is about doing things in the quiet spaces. It's about opening yourself up to, to God's love and allowing the Holy Spirit that is the Flame of Love to move in your heart. Mm. And so Elizabeth submitted to, the, to our Blessed Mother and said, I will do what you ask me to do. And mm -hmm. so... Over the next period of time, she revealed to her confessor and to her bishop a number of things that, that the Blessed Mother and our Lord asked her to do. And one of those things was the unity prayer that, that I have just prayed with you. Mm -hmm. I prayed with you twice, but mm -hmm. I prayed publicly on air here once. <laughs> yeah. Our Lord tells Elizabeth that praying that prayer blinds Satan. Mm -hmm. And in our world, that's a that's an important thing. You know, Satan runs around watching all of us and, and wreaking havoc because he sees what we do. Mm. The devil can't read our minds. Yeah. So if he's blind, he is powerless. Yeah. And so Elizabeth was given prayers to ask people to pray that, that take away Satan's ability to work in the world yeah. by blinding him. And so... The, the unity prayer that we prayed is a, is a prayer that blinds Satan. The, the precious blood of Jesus prayer that we prayed, Jesus also said, would blind Satan. And, you know, simple things, just little things that we can do and, and add multiple times. Um, one of the priests of the, the Flame of Love movement that I've talked to says he was asked to pray the Flame of Love or the, the sacred blood prayer 500 times a day. Wow. Wow. It, it takes a second and a half to say oh, it. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, wow. So, you know, what he does is in his free moments when he's moving from one thing to another, he is of a habit of saying, most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save us in the whole world, mm -hmm. over and over, mm -hmm. until he is ready to begin his next 
project, whatever it is. And mm-hmm. and when you habitualize a prayer like that, it, it becomes automatic. I mean, it's mm-hmm. really easy. And a lot of people would say, well, automatic prayer isn't good. Mm-hmm. Well, anytime we ask the Lord to, to save us and the whole world, it's good. Yeah. Even if you habitualize it and you're just saying it because you're, you're used to saying it. You know, you're asking our Lord to save us. Yeah. And, and what more good can you do than that? We need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back with more about surrender to the Holy Spirit through the flame of love. On double-edged sword cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture on Divine Mercy Radio. Father Leo Blazy. Surrendering to the Holy Spirit through the flame of love. All right, so we are talking with Father Leo Blazy, talking about surrender to the Holy Spirit through the flame of love. And I'll just let him go ahead and pick up where where we where I interrupted him. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to get to the important part so that we don't run out of time. Okay. An hour is never enough for me to talk. I about. know, I'm telling you, because you've got so much good information. <laughs> so the flame of love is about prayer, and it's about fasting. The Blessed Mother has asked us to fast on Monday specifically for the priest, hmm. because the devil is attacking the priesthood from all sides, and so... So Monday is is requested to be a day of fasting for priests. But other than that, the prayer of love is about getting together in your local community and praying for your family, praying for your church, praying for your community, and praying for the world. And the way that specific ways that the Blessed Mother has asked for this to happen is through the unity prayer that I've given to you and the precious blood prayer. And then she has asked for us to, she's complimented her own request in Fatima of of praying the rosary daily. Mm -hmm. But as part of the flame of love, she's asked us to do something that a lot of people struggle with. And so I'm going to talk at length about this and and try to help people understand the importance of the request that Mary made for the way that we are to pray the rosary. Mm. So first off, she asked that we include the unity prayer in the rosary and, and the most precious blood prayer in the rosary. Um, and then she's asked us to do something that, that people just bristle at when you ask them, and that's to add a phrase to the Hail Mary. Oh, no. We can't change the Hail Mary. You're not changing it. I'm You're not adding to it. <laughs> We're putting an addendum in because yeah. of a special need, a purpose that the Blessed Mother has asked us to do. And if you look at the history of the Hail Mary, that's happened before. Mm. At the, during the Black Plague in Europe, the people began saying the second part, what we call the, the conclusion of the Hail Mary, because people were dying and suffering all over Europe. And so they added, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. That was not that. part of the original mm. Hail Mary. Okay. Now, so let's go to the history of the Hail Mary. Where did it come from? The first part of the Hail Mary is scriptural, but yeah. what does it say in, in Luke? When, if you read the exact words, the first okay. part of it is the angel's greeting to Mary. Yes. So what did the angel say? 
Hail Mary, full of grace. Well, no, close. Not exactly. Not exactly. <laughs> he said, Hail, full of grace. Hail, he was talking, yes. Yes, he was he was talking, talking to, to Mary. Mary. That's right. That's right. You're so, right. So if you were to, to quote the exact scripture, you would say, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Yeah. And then Mary's greeting, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Yes. Elizabeth. Elizabeth, Elizabeth said yes. that. Yes. Yeah. So... The original, if you prayed directly from the scripture, you would say, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. As it began to be used as a regular prayer, the name of Mary was added. And then actually a couple of centuries later, the name of Jesus was added. So the first half of the Hail Mary was the whole prayer at that time. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Yes. And then at the Black Plague, the addendum was added to pray for the, the souls, the suffering, and those that were dying. And so we say, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. That was because of physical suffering in the world, and people were dying due to the plague. Mary recognizes that there is spiritual suffering in the world today. And so she's asked us to include another phrase, and it's actually inserted in the middle of the last part of the prayer. And so what Mary has asked us to do is ask us to pray, spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity. Mm. And that is inserted in the latter part of the prayer. So the way that it would go is, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Mm. Now, when you hear the words, there's not really anything that you would argue about, especially when you understand that the flame of love is the Holy Spirit. There's nothing disagreeable about it, but, mm. but people just bristle at change. Mm. And they say, you're changing this prayer that's been important to me all my life. Mm. And in reality, again, we're not changing the prayer. We are adding to it because... The Blessed Mother has asked us to, to make an addendum to pray for suffering souls. Yeah. And the way that we pray for them is to ask the Holy Spirit to, to spread his love throughout the world. And so I think that most people, if, if they can get to that point and understand what it is that is occurring and why the Blessed Mother has asked for it to happen, then the, the arguments tend to, to fall away. And, and people tend to say, okay, well, I, I think I can do that and so that's one of the points that I really, when I'm talking to people about beginning a, a group in the, in the local parishes, which is the objective of the movement is to have a local prayer group, a cynical, yeah. at every parish. And if you can have two or three at every parish, the more the merrier. Yeah. So what does it take to, to start a cynical at your parish? It takes two people. Again, the more the merrier, but two people come together and they pray together in the way that Mary asks. And again, it's for your family, it's for your local church, for your local community, and for the world. And so the Flame of Love organization has printed out prayers and, and, and things to use in order to help you to get that started. Eventually, it becomes a spontaneous thing where you pray, to, you come together and pray. And of course, you're going to pray the rosary. That's, that's part of the cynical. But all the other prayers are just out of necessity for the... The, the local community and your families and, and, and your church. And it's really a, a beautiful and a powerful thing. And the nice thing about it is, is that, you know, you don't, it's, there are other movements in the church 
and you have to travel in order to to go and, and get with the group and, and pray the, with the group and, and do other things with the group. This is a completely local thing. If you can only get with one other person, then by all means, pray with the one other person. Originally, somewhere I got the idea that you had to, it couldn't be any more than six people, but I've been informed that that was a mistaken idea. So hmm. we can talk about that a little bit more. Okay. Where is, what's the status of this, this movement? Is it an, like an approved, um, I don't, is it an apparition? What, what's the, the status of all of this? The diary of Elizabeth has received an imprimatur from, mm -hmm. from the Cardinal of Hungary. Mm -hmm. So it's been, an imprimatur says that there is nothing heretical in, right. the, in the writing. Right. As far as the church officially approving, the, there's really not an apparition for the church to approve. Okay. Um, it's mostly just locutions so, Right. Then so it's, it's just communications through prayer and in that aspect, an imprimatur is a very powerful thing because, sure. you know, if the church says there's nothing wrong with, with what's involved there, then you can say it without being worried about it. Yeah, so, yeah. Elizabeth hasn't been brought forth to be canonized or anything. I, yeah. I think eventually that will probably happen. Yeah. But part of the power that draws me to it is that she's not, that she's a, 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 she's a third order Carmelite, which means she's a lay Carmelite. Yeah. Um, but she was just the average woman in an average city in, in the world in the 20th century. Yeah. And yet the, the Lord and, our, and his blessed mother were able to use her to, to put out a message that will blind Satan and, mm. and empower the world to, to recognize the light of the love of our God through the Holy Spirit. And something that happened, you know, uh, ended in 1981, but so needed right now for our time. In our you time know. today. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we were, we were talking about a cynical and, and what's required for the cynical. Again, basically, the, the simplest form is that you come together once a week or whenever you decide as a group to, to pray the rosary and, and to pray prayers for for those things, um, but the Blessed Mother gave Elizabeth a specific agenda, and again, this agenda is for Elizabeth. It's not for everyone, but if it was good enough for Elizabeth, I think that maybe we could look at it and, and see maybe how we could adapt it into our own schedule. Um, yeah. And basically, so the weekly agenda that, that Jesus gave to her was, said, my daughter, I'm going to specify exactly how each day of the week should be allocated and if you remember, I began to speak about this before. However, it was put off until this time where I could speak more to your schedule. And so this is the schedule that was given to Elizabeth by our Lord. On Monday, the day was supposed to be about holy souls. So let all your actions be done with the purpose of helping the, the holy souls in union with me desire that these souls contemplate my face as early as possible. Offer for them a strict fast as well as praying during a part of the night. I do not ask this strict fast and prayer just for, from you, but make public these requests jointly with other messages from my heart. Anyone fasting on bread and water on Monday will, be, will free each time the soul of a priest from the place of suffering. Whoever practices this will receive the grace of being liberated from the place of suffering within eight days after their death. Our mother herself was asking for this. Her appeal to her flame of love obliges me to fulfill her request. Tuesday is a day offered for family. 
So make spiritual communions for each member of your family. Offer each person one by one to our dear mother. She will take them under her protection, and you will also offer in the evening a vigil for them. And Elizabeth said, Lord, I usually sleep deeply. What if I cannot wake up and watch? And our Lord said, I will help you with all that is well. If there is anything too difficult for you, confidently tell our mother, and she will spend many nights in prayer vigils for you. So mm. the Lord asked us to do a vigil, but he says, if we can't do it, ask the Blessed Mother, and she will do the vigil for us. Wow. 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 Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a exactly. blessing. What a blessing. Yeah. And then Wednesdays, he asked for her to, to make it a day for priestly vocations, praying with a fervent heart for those who are are looking for the priesthood but also praying for those who would, would seek to to who are priests already who who need those prayers. And then Thursday, what would Thursday be about? The Blessed Sacrament. Mm -hmm. The day that Christ instituted mm -hmm. the Blessed so, Sacrament. Yeah, Holy Thursday, yeah. So yeah. Thursdays are to be a day of rep reparation to the Blessed Sacrament for offenses against the Blessed Sacrament and those prayers are actually are also effective for helping priestly souls. So, because the priests are the ones that, that affect the Holy Eucharist, prayer for the reparations for the Blessed Sacrament are are a benefit to priests. And Friday, of course, is the day of the Lord's Passion, and so the prayers are to to be directed towards His Passion. Saturday, as already requested by several other saints, is the day of Our Mother. Mm -hmm. And so we focus our prayers on, on the Blessed Mother. And then for Sunday, what do you think the Lord asked of us? It's a, day, it's a day, of day, rest. day of rest. There you go. No specific request for Sunday yeah. other than to fulfill the obligation to attend huh. Sunday Mass. And that was the request to Elizabeth. And again, I said, you know, if, depending on your schedule and the schedule of the folks that, that are in your cynical, you can adapt those as necessary to to be functional for you, but um, he's laid out a week for us. Yeah. Hmm. And it doesn't seem too much to ask for, for pretty much anybody, even if you work a full-time job, if you've got a family, the, the things that he has requested are not so so problematic that you can't work them into your day. Yeah. Um, so. so where do we want to go next with that, Father? Okay. So... Um, if you're interested in starting a cynical, you can call me. Um, Susan Kirkland has graciously volunteered to go to any parish in the diocese and help them start their cynical and, and get it set up. That Again, the objective is to have one in every parish. Once the parishes have a cynical, then they can help each other out. But And we've also started, just last month, we had a, a healing service at, at my home parish in Plainville. Over 100 people showed up. Wow. And, and, so I spent two hours in confession and then two hours blessing people. Wow. It was exhausting in a yeah. beautiful, profound way. Yeah. Um, and I would, I've told Susan that we can have it set where on the, the first Friday of every month I will go to a parish if they ask yeah. and, and help the priest do their initial healing service. Healing is a ministry of every priest, and so they can have their own healing services, but we haven't had any regular healing services in this diocese for a long time. So so I'm willing to go and, and, and do what's necessary to help priests that are, are not sure or not comfortable with it to, to get it established, and then hopefully 
we'll be able to have um, regular healing services throughout the diocese eventually. So give me a call and I'll put you in touch with Susan if you want to start a, a cynical. And again, to begin with, it's just an hour of prayer and, and you're praying the rosary and, and praying other prayers. So it's a pretty easy thing. And, and the diocese will be greatly rewarded. The, the Blessed Mother, if you read Elizabeth's entire diary, she promises great blessings on parishes and, and on dioceses mm-hmm. where this becomes a, a thing, a normal thing throughout the diocese. And so I want to read one more thing before we, we come to an end here, which is getting pretty close, I see. So um, Jesus gave this to Elizabeth. He said he's the greatest blood donor. You know, the whole Red mm-hmm. Cross talks about the importance of blood donation. um, And in in that statement to her, he says, my table is always set. I'm the Amphitiron. Having sacrificed everything, I give myself. After receiving my precious blood, examine your souls and become aware of the exhilaration that the power of my precious blood brings about in you. Do not be so insensitive. Let not routine lead you away from my table but rather the, allow the, the, the fervor of sacrificial charity to work in you. And it ignites through the contact with my love. Through me, inasmuch as you remain united to me, it will burn sin out of your soul. Oh, how much I have longed for your decision and for your voluntary love. When will you finally come to me? When will you finally come to me? When will you surrender to me? Hopefully all, every moment of every day. But all, that's all these not, words through yeah. a simple Hungarian laywoman, yeah. a widow and a, an orphan and not educated in any formal way. Mm. And yet we receive these beautiful words. Yeah. And unfortunately, they're too much ignored. Really beautiful. Wow. So, so um, you know, share your, your last, uh, last thoughts on this. Tell them where they can get the, the book. And again, who they should contact and how they should contact in order to okay. get their own cynical started. Um, this is an abbreviated version of the diary, which is available. Um, we can get it in, in large quantities. I've got several hundred of them right now. So if you want one, let me know. Send me a, a stamped self-addressed envelope or, or call me. And if you can't afford to mail, I'll, I'll go ahead and send it out to you. So call me and ask me about that. And there are other prayer cards and things that go along with it. So if you have questions about it, give me a call or email me. My email address is leo.w.blasi at gmail.com. That's my personal email address. Send me a request and we'll make sure that if you are interested, we get that out to you. And if you want to start a cynical, we will get you the information and, and make sure that I speak with your priest. I would ask that before you start a cynical in your parish, especially if you're going to do it on parish property, to, to talk to your priest first. Um, if you're going to do it in your home, really the priest has no jurisdiction over that. But but if you're going to do it in his parish boundaries, I would still like you to at least mention to your priest that you're planning on doing that. I don't. I haven't heard of any priest that would deny you doing it. I just I think it's important to keep your priest informed so he knows what's going on in his parish. And it may give him an opportunity to inform himself on the flame of love, too. So Nice. So please do that. All right. And your blessing, please, to each of us here and out through the airwaves. May Almighty God descend upon you all. May he share, fill you with the light of his, the flame of his love, the Holy Spirit, 
And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your lives. Thanks for tuning in to Double-Edged Sword Cutting to the Heart of a Deceptive Culture. Family, heaven is not seen, but we know it is real. Likewise, these airwaves are not seen, but we can hear them. If you want to save souls for heaven through these airwaves, please go to dvmercy.com and click on Donate or Scroll down until you find the address to send a check. May God bless you. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear His voice, harden not your heart.